Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. Today, I am joined by my partner in crime for the last God knows how many miles. I don't know. We were together about 12 hours at the end of Swami's shuffle, definitely shuffling through the beach together. And uh, so Sergio Diaz, a brilliant, amazing young man that I, I had the pleasure of spending some time with. So Sergio, you ready to go for a run? Uh, yeah, man, let's get it. All right. Okay. So we're only going to do like, you know, a 20 miler today. Is that okay? <laughs> it's perfect, man. It's easy. There buddy. you go. Yeah. Something short for you. Something short. So oh, Sergio, yeah. tell us a little bit about who you are, your background and what you do for a living. Uh, well, I'm, my name is Sergio Diaz. I am, I guess I could just start with that. I was born July 9th, 1990 in Leesburg, Virginia to two amazing parents, Mexican parents. So uh, I guess I could say really early on in my life, I got introduced to very hardworking people. My dad worked in a landscaping company when I was young. And my mother, she started working later on in life for the school system. But uh, both of them, you know, very hardworking people. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. They, they set a great example for me. If I remember right, your dad was also a runner. Is that correct? Uh, I would like to say that both my parents were actually runners. Okay. They both were very athletic. However, really early on, they had to start working to support myself. But when I was older, they did start doing like smaller competitions here and there, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, uh, 13 milers. And they're actually the ones that introduced me to racing because beforehand I was too, I was a bit shy to go into the competitions because I didn't believe myself to be good enough for competition. So I, I, I just to, want I, to stop right there. Wait a second. You just used the word I and shy. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I find guess. that I find that a little hard to believe, but you must have come out of that shyness someplace. Uh, you know, I think the ultra running really helped because, you know, man, in ultra running, you get put in these really rough situations where you're exhausted and it's it's really cold and it's raining and it's this that, and whatever. And it's just like it really hardens you. And, you, and it, you don't really we all see each other in some of like the worst situations. I guess I lost my shyness. It's hard to explain. That's but, awesome. Uh, yes. When you were in school and stuff, did you run? Actually, no, I didn't. I, again, I was really shy and I didn't even, I was one of those kids that didn't like to compete in PE. I would purposefully forget my shoes to like, <laughs> so that when I got to PE, I had this excuse where like, oh, I can't, I can't do anything because I didn't bring my running shoes. That was me. And wow. here I am now, you know, every single day I run. And exactly. So yeah. when did you start running? It's crazy when I look back, because I've actually asked this question myself as well. I look back at when I had my first dog. He was a Labrador retriever by the name of Jordan. My dad liked naming our dogs after uh, basketball players. So when I had that dog, I remember it wasn't so much running, but I would go off and walk the dog far, far away, like six or seven miles away from the house. And very early on, I realized that I liked adventure, but I didn't run. See, my parents had a treadmill and this was when I was like a, a, a teenager, like 13, 14 years old. And I remember I would get on the treadmill and I would just go, it, I wouldn't have like a number or anything to go to. It was just something that I realized was like great for de-stressing. You know, I didn't start really getting into it until maybe when I was like 27. So I want to say maybe like 2017. Okay. Yeah. So you're about year six ish into this adventure. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So now what was, what did you, did you start? You didn't start out with ultras, obviously, right? Yeah, no. When I really look back on it, I would, what I would do is I would 
I used to work out at the Reston Lifetime. Now, if you've ever been to the Reston, Virginia Lifetime, right behind it, there is like a, an outdoor trail. Like people use it for bicycling and all, all that. But what I would do is I would work out and I would have all this excess energy. So I would go to the back and run on the trail. And this was before I had a watch or anything. So I would just kind of go in circles and I had no idea what I was doing. It wasn't until later that I realized that I'd be doing like six or seven mile loops. Well, I used to call it dessert. Like I'm, I'm going out for dessert and it would just be like me going for, for this, these runs. Yeah. And actually it was because of those, I started doing them so much that I built conditioning and like, I chose to do a marathon by myself. This was kind of early on and running quickly, like six miles was easy. Nine miles was easy. And then I was like, oh, 13 miles, 16 miles. This all became really easy within the first few months. So I was like, you know what, what if I just ran 13 miles in one direction and ran 13 miles back? You know, okay. I would have a marathon. So you so, didn't like enter a marathon. You just said, okay, I'm going to go 13 miles in this direction, then run back. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Really quick story. I, I had to work that day. And back then I worked, I still work for a company called Waste Not Want Not. And we do like a trash removal. So it's kind of like a cardio heavy job where you have to run up and down stairs in apartment complexes and pick the trash out and then take it to your truck and then take it to the dumpster. That particular day, a dude had called out. So I had to do his property, which was more than, than usual. So I had already kind of like set in my head that tonight I'm going to run. It was a Thursday night. And the reason I did a Thursday night is because for Friday days, I didn't work. So I could like actually sleep the next day. So I ended up finishing the job around like 10 o'clock at night. And I drove over to Lifetime. And back then they used to be open for 24 hours. And I, um, I, I gathered up a bunch of like water bottles and stuff because I didn't have a bladder or anything like that. Funny or that fancy stuff back then. Didn't even have a headlamp. I gathered up some carbs, you know, soda, beef jerky, stuff like that packed it all into my book bag. And then I head off to the wax pool road exit. And from there at around like 11 o'clock at night, I ran or trotted more, more likely to uh, Vienna, which is 13.1 miles away. And once I got there, I turned around and came back. It took so long that I actually got to see the sunrise. That's slightly. awesome. But yeah. <laughs> you did this with a bunch of water bottles and some Coke and some beef jerky yeah. thrown into a book bag. Yes. And that's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea that ultras existed at this point. Like I was doing ultra style stuff before I even knew what an ultra was, you know? That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So how did you get introduced to like the racing scene? So the funny part was that the first attempt at a marathon was actually a bit of a mistake because I set out and I did that 13.1 and 13.1 back. But when I got back, the Strava said 26 miles not 26.2. And a friend of mine pointed it out. He was like, that's not a marathon because you're missing that point too. So a couple of weeks later, I do it again. And, and awesome. I remember, yeah, I remember my dad talking to me about it where later on he was like, would you like to do a half marathon? And I think it was like at the end of 2018. Um, yeah. I want to say it was like around the end of 2018 in November, there was like a half marathon in Baltimore and he uh, had agreed to pay for it. And I was like, well, great. Because I didn't believe in paying for racing back right. then. You shouldn't have to pay for this. This is free. But yeah, my dad got me into it. And it was actually my, me, my dad, and my mom. We all did this same race together, which was great. It was a great introduction to racing because I got to do it with my favorite people. And uh, yeah, that, that was it. It was a nice cold day. And I remember before we even started the half marathon, my dad was like, hey, let's go do a little quick mile. So it was cool. You know, like I, I got to see what racing was like, like all these different types of runners and, and, you know, different styles and different backgrounds. And like, everybody has their own story. It was, it was really cool. You know, 
That's awesome. So you live in Charleston now. Okay. Really close to Harper's Ferry. If you've never been okay. there, that, that yep. is one of my favorite spots to run when I have time. Yeah. Good, good hopping onto the CNO from right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's right around the corner. When you're going to do the CNO 100, literally right around the corner. That's awesome. You have one of the coolest stories that you told me. Uh, do you remember this story about the man painting on the trail? The man? Oh, dude. Oh, can, dude. can you tell that story just from you being oh, there man. with your mom and then, you know, through to, to that point? Because that, that's one of the stories that stuck with me. Okay. Okay. So when I was a kid, we grew up in the mobile park of Leesburg, Virginia. Now, Leesburg, Virginia only has one trailer park that I know of. And it's, it's like sort of in the center. Now, I don't remember the street names per se, but if you guys are from Leesburg, Virginia, then you would know. If you walk towards Susquehanna Mills and you take a left and you head down to where the WNOD is, to your left, there's a wall. And then right above it, there's houses and stuff. Now, this wall used to be completely um, empty. There wasn't anything on it. Later on, there was a mural painted, and that's where this, this story is going to. Now, the reason it was important to me was that when I was a little kid, my mom and I, we would walk down to the trail, or sometimes I'd be on my tricycle and my mom would be walking with me, and we would get down to the trail, and we would always pass by this blank wall. So fast forward decades later, Leesburg becomes one of my main like hubs for running. It's a place where I feel like a very strong spiritual connection. Maybe it's because I lived there for so long, but um, I spent a lot of time, especially in 2020, 2021, just out there every single night. And I want to say it was around the summer of 2021 where there was a gentleman painting on this wall. And I can't remember what his name is, but his name is on there. He's a painter from Richmond. And um, I would say hi to him a lot. Like every night that I would run by, I would say hi to him. And maybe sometimes I'd say like hi and bye to him because I would run like multiple times around this particular area. And sometimes I would be running in the mornings and I'd see him there. He had a Ford Focus. I remember he would always park it right in front of the uh, painting. And, you know, he had all this set up in the back of his car. But um, there was one particular night and I want to say it was like a summer night because I remember it being hot where I'm running around and I, I run by that area. And I think I had just done like 10 miles or something. So I was it's nothing. Right. But I, I felt really strong and tough at the time. And I, was, I went up to the guy and I was like, you know what, dude, how many miles do you need me to do for you to paint me on this wall? Like I'll do any amount. I don't care. And he, he laughed and he said, like, I'll think about it. Like a week went by. I want to say, I remember running by there again and uh, he calls me over and he's like, Hey man, uh, I want to show you something. And I was like, I walked over and he pointed downward at this little painting of a man that was running. He's like the running man. He has little, he's a green body and little red shorts and he's headless, which is kind of ominous, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's headless. Yeah. I remember him saying like, there you go. That's you. That's awesome. Was like, that's, that's one of my favorite stories you told. So I, I will never forget that because it's, it's basically a link that you can always hit that trail and you can always see that mural and you always think of your mom. Absolutely. That, that trail reminds me of her a lot, to be honest with you. That's so, awesome. Because we spent so much time there. And I, and honestly, dude, I never thought that I would do the whole thing. I don't know if I told you, but in 2020, when everything shut down, I actually, I want to say April of that year, I gathered a lot of supplies and I had more experience this time around. And I made sure that I would have a friend pick me up at the end of it because back then I wasn't sure about returning. But yeah, I started in Percival. And I ran all the way down to Sherlington, which is 45 miles. That's the whole stretch of the WNOD. So I did that in April. I can't remember the exact date, but I remember doing that. And it was sort of like, um, 
I, I needed to do the whole thing in this to accomplish. There was this thing inside where I was like, I need to do this whole thing for some X reason. It's just something that I felt like I needed to do. You understand we, we do Absolutely. ultras for who knows yep. why we just do them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. now let's, let's kind of, let's spring into ultras. So when did you do your first ultra marathon race? Right. So uh, remember that story I was telling you about the half marathon. Well, yep. later on the next year, my dad had mentioned wanting to do 50 miles. And I don't know if I had done anything over 26 miles at that point, but I was running enough where I thought to myself, you know, how hard could it possibly be to just, you know, tack on another marathon on top of, you right. know, exactly. Um, I mean, we're obviously it's going to suck. So now my dad, he, he had found one called the North face endurance challenge, which was held in Algonquin. This was 2019. And I can't remember what month it is, what was, but what was cool about that one, well, there's a few things that the North face endurance challenge, 50 miler, um, there was other races going on at the same time. There was like a, a marathon and I think a smaller race going on at the same time. Um, so there was a lot of runners. It was a big event. And it was, it, it starts on like the Trump golf course. And okay. I think okay. that Trump was actually, uh, President Trump was actually there um, because they had mentioned something where it's like, you know, don't veer off the trail. There might be like, you know, Secret Service or frogmen, you know, lurking around the forest. So, That's awesome. You know, stay, stay on the trail at all times. But they, another cool thing was that Deaton Carnassus was there. He was there like to start the race off. And it was like my very first day in the ultra scene, I get to see this guy that's like a legend in our sport. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So he said something along the lines where like, are you guys ready to be in pain? But like a smile on his face. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, this is a new world. This is different. Normally you hear people complaining and here we are like people are like expecting it to suck. Yeah. Uh, this yep. is a completely different attitude. But I'll tell you. Really early on into the 50 miler, probably like 10 miles in, it was my first time experiencing the combination of the runner's high with a beautiful sunset where there's like these tall blades of grass to my right in the way that the sun was shining through the trees and hitting these blades of grass and the blades of grass were blowing the breeze and I, all this combination of things going on, it was, it was like a, a sensory overload. Yeah, and I remembered yeah. thinking to myself, this is where I want to be forever. Like, I don't want anything else other than this. And that was like 10 miles in. Like, there was still a whole race to go. But that initial experience really, you know, set me off. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I ended up finishing the race with like 13 minutes to spare. My That's first 50 awesome. miler. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you went on from there. You've run a bunch of stuff and everything. Would you say, Sergio, that you've really kind of found your identity in the ultra running? I think that I have, but I'll be honest with you. I feel like there's more and that right now running is something that I'm mastering, but once I have mastered it, I feel like there's another step. I don't know what it is. If it's rock climbing, if it's swimming, if it's cycling, but I feel like this isn't it, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah well, and we, we, we talked young. a lot about this in those beach miles and the miles coming up to the beach and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you shared a really very, very vivid dream that I still hope that you are paying attention to that because I really think there's way more for Sergio out there than just running just what you're doing now. I, I think there's a lot of potential in 
in the who Sergio was created to be. So yeah. I'm hoping that you continue to pursue that. I definitely will. I cannot think of anything right now that would stop me from my path. I'm pretty incorruptible when it comes to like what I want. If I want something, trust me, I will go through hell to get it. Yep. And I think that's something all of us ultra runners share is that we're down for it. Like we don't care how much it's going to suck because it will. I'm going for what I want. I'm yeah. going to get that buckle. You know what I mean? We're going to get exactly. to the finish. Exactly. So, and you've gotten to the finish on some pretty tough ones. So kind of go through some of your, some of your toughest races. All right. Uh, let's see. There were some tough ones. Like the Dogwood ultra marathon that took place in 2021 was a pretty tough one, but I want to say that the hardest ones, man, that one was hard more or less because it's a looped race where it's a three mile loop. Uh, right. The terrain's kind of crappy. So there's, there is water involved. There's a, there's a lot of maneuvering. You can't just run blindly because you will fall over something. And it was difficult because it was a 24 hour event and I needed to just go in circles for, for 24 hours. But I still somehow achieved a third place finish, but only with like 71 or 72 miles, I believe, or maybe even less. But I, I did get at least 100K for that race. Funny story about that was when I got to the, um, the aid station with one more loop to go because I was going to run out of time. I remember uh, Dan Pulskamp, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's the one who runs that particular race and others. I remember him saying to me in his very monotone voice where it's like, Sergio, you have, if you do one more loop, uh, you will be in third place. And I'm like, what? How, how does that, how did that happen? Because there's a guy in front of me, I remember, and he was a really good runner. He, he had been running the whole night when apparently he had dropped out. And I was like, seriously, that guy? And Dan was like, yes, this is a war of attrition. It's about how much you can take, <laughs> not how fast you are. And I was like, wow, okay, so. I was like, all right, well, I'll do another loop. But um, I, I, I wanted to go to the bathroom and the bathroom was up the hill to my left away from the course. I needed to go forward. I'm about to walk up the hill and he calls me out and he's like, what are you doing? I, like, I need to go to number two. And he's like, are you serious? Go number two in the woods. Come on, go. And then That's he, an awesome much, like, turns, story. Yeah, he turns me around and I, I, pretty, I didn't go in the bathroom. I didn't go to the bathroom in the, in the woods because I didn't have any. TV but you finished the, you finished that loop, right? Absolutely. I had there to you go. I had to um, got the third place. So Buckeye 203 or Swami Shuffle, which one was tougher? Oh, man, Buckeye, because it was my first. Yeah, Buckeye was my first. You start these races, and I, I try to quiet my mind as much as possible because I feel there's a lot of, um, not so much defeat in my mind, but it's sort of like all of these uh, what-ifs start popping up. Like, you know, what if you hurt your ankle? Or what if, you know, like it starts to rain? Or what if you run out of water? There's a lot of what-ifs. And you just have to be quiet and do what you're good at. And don't listen to what your brain is telling you. Just keep going forward. Like the first day we did 50. I mean, all four days we did 50 miles in the Buckeye. But um, I'm glad to say that I guess I was fit enough that there was no particular day where I was dying. And there was a lot of companionship in that race. There was a lot of good friends. I started the race with friends that I had met in the CNO starting off with Peter Y, uh, Joe D'Andrea, Kaylee Frederick, and her mother, Georgetta. We had all started this, this race together. Uh, they're all incredible runners, by the way. But uh, we eventually like started getting divided, where like some of us were going a little faster. Other ones were hanging back. And on the, la on the end of day one, I, was, I, I had teamed up with another uh, now friend. His name is PJ Camargo, and he's a pretty cool dude, too. I teamed up with him. And then we, on the second day, uh, on the first day, I was actually 
completely fine when I ended the day, like 50 miles in, I didn't feel anything really. I felt great. We stopped at a hotel, slept in a bed and it was, it was great. Uh, the second day I started off the day by myself and I was on my own for a while until I got to the town of Salem where I met up with a few other runners. Uh, I know you've met Robert Marizzi. He was yep. in the last race we did. He was actually, I met him in Choices Restaurant in Salem. And the funny part was that earlier on in that day, I had found a pair of black Arcteryx pants that I picked up off the ground. And I, I just had them. I knew they didn't belong there. Like they had to have belonged to a runner because you don't find Arcteryx pants in the middle of like the, like the woods in Ohio, you know, <laughs> or in a highway in Ohio. Yeah. But anyways, I picked up his pants and, and word quickly got around that I had them. And then later on in the day, when we finally got to the town of Wellsville at the end of day two, we ended up sleeping inside of a, um, a locker room, uh, which was a pretty tough night, man. It was, we had to sleep in a locker room that, you know, wasn't insulated. I mean, it was better than being outside because it was raining outside, but um, we're in this locker room. We don't have any bed sheets or anything. We're kind of just like covering ourselves with this, all our excess clothes uh, laying on this concrete floor. And as I'm finally falling asleep, I feel somebody shaking me and I look I look up and it's Robert in the dark, like asking me, Hey man, do you have my pants? That's awesome. I was, I felt so bad for him because it was cold, man. So I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I got him. I got him. I got up and I went, my friend's uh, girlfriend was crewing for us. So she was outside in her car. So it was actually in there. So I got it out of there and gave it to him. Yeah. That was the end of day two. Uh, the beginning of day three was pretty rough because we had to go back to where we were coming from. And we had just descended this giant hill and now we had to ascend this hill back yeah, okay, um, in, yeah. the, in the morning and spirits weren't particularly high and it was really dark in the morning, but it, there we went, man. We, me, Kaylee and Joe, we went through there and then we eventually it started raining later on in that day, but we managed to get all the way back to the town of Warren with only 50 miles left for the last day. That's awesome. And, um, and now Kaylee was, she ran this, she was still 17, right? Absolutely, man. And that's actually one of the coolest things about that particular race was like, I don't know how many people at that age have done that. No, um, there, I don't, I don't think I know of any other teenager that has run a 200. Absolutely, man. And she's uh, badass. She, she's incredible. And it's going to show you what this sport is turning into. Like we have this idea of, oh, certain people can't do it because whatever X reason, like we have no idea what's possible. Exactly. We have absolutely zero idea what's possible. And you can yep. say that yep. it's bad for your joints, bad for your knees or whatever. Says who? You know exactly. what I mean? I can tell you as a 58-year-old going on 59, my knees are healthier now than they were when I was your age. <laughs> I, so, indeed, I, I understand. You know, that's, that's the thing. So we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. So favorite moment of Swami's? Favorite moment of Swami. Um, aside from the beach hike, uh, <laughs> I want to say... Um, Heading down from Rodance, oh no, from Avon back down to Buxton on the end of day two. I was out there with Andrea and her husband, Jared, and uh, we're heading down and the wind is blowing against us so hard, but we're, we're just charging down to Buxton and we can see like the lighthouse off in the distance. It's so powerful, shining a light on all of us. And we eventually bump into Robert Maurizi, who uh, I remember Andrea thought was a ghost. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, it was freaking hilarious, but we all ended up teaming up at the end just to charge down to, uh, to Cape Hatteras. But um, the 20 miles that I, or, or more that I shared with you in the sand, that was probably some of the uh, craziest trotting or whatever it was we were doing. Trudging? That I've done in my I think, life. I think we'll, we'll call it trudging. Yeah. I'm yeah, not man, sure that, what we call that. <laughs> Moving forward. 
that was incredible because when we started, we had high spirits and then midway through our spirits got low. And then at the end, I feel like we both kind of like got us a, a, a 50th wind, if you will. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I, we, I I know that there was a very loud noise that went up when we finally hit the red. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that, was that was awesome. awesome. Okay, so let's let's end this this way. So you're talking to somebody, and they're getting ready to run their very first ultra marathon, and they say, "Okay, Sergio, what do I do? What's your biggest piece of advice for them?" I would say, I could say something really sappy, but I would say, stay hydrated. For the love go. of God, stay hydrated. And it doesn't just mean drink your water, take some salt caps or have a goo, but make sure that you're hydrating and use and taking electrolytes because if you don't have any electrolytes, that water can, it's, you're just pissing it out. So yeah, yep, stay there hydrated. Awesome. All right. So what's next for Sergio? Not entirely sure yet. Uh, this month right now is probably going to be a lot of small races, 5Ks and a 10K coming up. But um, next month, April, I'm probably going to do uh, the CNO 100 for the third time. Awesome. Um, but maybe, maybe just maybe bull state. I don't know. I'm looking okay. into it right now. And if you're you, awesome, if you've man. Done it, have you done it? I have not done it yet. No, okay. This, so I, I, this was my first to, multi-day thing. The Swami's 200 was my first one. So yeah, man, I need to pick some brains out there. Cause I, Amy, I'm all I'm going to say is Amy Adams, Kim Drake, Joey Lichter, Andrea Beasley, pick their brains. They've all done it. Okay. Man. Sounds good, man. I shall. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Sergio. It's been a pleasure. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for running with me at the end. You got it. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.